Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Wyndham Garden Lafayette. From Café Vermilionville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with creative business consultant Aileen Bennett. It's business, Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Aileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. In Acadiana, there are a lot of things that differentiate us from the rest of the country. The biggest of them all is music. You can live in Kansas and learn to make a gumbo. You can live in California and row a piro. But there's no way in the wide world that you can convincingly play Jolie Blonde on the accordion or Bosco Stomp on the fiddle unless you're born and raised here. Typically, in a Western capitalist economy, a rare resource is worth a lot of money. However, when it comes to our treasured musicians, we tend to undervalue them. Most Cajun and Zydeco musicians are working a second job to subsidise their music career. Wilson Savoir plays in the Grammy Award-winning band Court Bourlion and the crowd favourite Pineleaf Boys. He's also a carpenter, building and renovating homes, and he's sitting across the table from me. Wilson, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Good to be here. Danny de Villiers is a musician, and he's come up with a new angle on the traditional way musicians often subsidize their careers, by giving music lessons. Danny is a drummer. He plays in the Grammy-nominated band Bonsoir Catan, and he's played with everyone who's anyone in Cajun Zydeco, from Michael Doucet to Roddy Romero. But Danny doesn't just give drum lessons. He teaches people to play all kinds of instruments, including guitar and fiddle, at his music school, the Music Room in Lafayette. Danny, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you for having me. Wilson, your dual occupations are not a million miles away from your dad's. Your father, Mark, is regarded by everyone in Acadiana and beyond as the current king of Cajun music and Cajun culture. Like you, Mark works in wood. He builds Cajun accordions, and he owns a music store in Eunice that is ground zero for Cajun music. Given that you and your dad's pursuits and passions are so close, are you interested in building accordions and in taking over the music store? I get asked that question a lot, uh, if I want to build accordions, and I've kind of dabbled with it a little bit in his music shop, but for me, it's never been as interesting to build accordions as it is to build something large. I've always been very interested in um, framing and building houses and rooms and additions on houses. For some reason, um, I think accordions, to build an accordion takes a very good eye for detail. It's a lot of little parts. And I've never been one for eye for detail. I've always liked building large things and letting someone else do all the detail work. So So is your favorite thing to add on to an existing house or always build from scratch? I always prefer to build new because then you can do it just the way you want it, right? Whereas old houses, you start opening up cans of worms and you discover all kinds of old problems and... So I've gotten to the point now where we just like to do new construction, if I can help it. And your, your music's quite, it plays on the culture here. Does your house building play on the same culture? I think they go hand in hand, music and uh, building and carpentry. They both um, complement each other. Uh, I think carpentry is a way to express yourself with your hands other than playing music. For example, um, you're working with other people, you're working together like you do in a band. You have to tell people what to do and everyone's got to kind of play off each other. So I think that's why I enjoy it. You're working with other people and just in a setting where you get to create some kind of art that's other than music. And it gives you a way to do something different than only music all the time. I think that's not good for anybody. I think it's good to have balance. A little bit of music, a little bit of physical activity like carpentry goes 
very well together, I think. They do seem to go together. And you I can see both uh, your your building style is that little bit traditional, but with modern materials. Right. And that echoes in your music as well. It's like you're doing what they used to do, but what, with what you know now. I never thought of it that way. But yeah, we're playing old music, but in a modern way. And we're building somewhat looking old houses with modern materials. Yeah. Danny, as I mentioned, musicians giving music lessons to support themselves and to hand on their skills is an age-old tradition. But a musician scheduling a few lessons a week is a lot different from running a music school. Giving casual lessons is a bit of extra income. Running a school is a business with rent, taxes, insurance and everything else that goes with it. What decided you on putting the investment of your time and money into founding a school? Did you see a need that wasn't being met? Well, I should say that... It's not necessarily a school. Um, it's really just me teaching those lessons. And so I don't have to do things like insurance. Um, I'm just, all, all I'm doing is renting a space and I'm teaching privately out of it, as opposed to having people come you know, into my home or, uh, or <clears throat> being affiliated with a school like I was before I moved. But um, it's still slightly more of a business decision it, to have a separate place than it is just to have someone knocking on your door at 4 yeah, o'clock. Yeah, it is. And I think it's always a little weird, I think, to have, you know, just for a new student to walk into somebody's home. It's um, a little, you know, weirdly personal from their perspective, from, from our perspective. I'd rather just have a neutral place um, that's set up to do just that job, which so is So it's a called the music room. Teach. Is it literally just a room or is it a number of rooms? It, well, it started as a small room. And, and it's a larger uh, room. And now it's a larger room. Um, I never intended on doing it in the first place. I just went, I went to look at the room that was available and Gina Hanchi, who's the owner of the building, which is now called the Halo Building, by it's the way. downtown, right? Yes. Yeah. It's the, uh, the building located next to the... Um, Basin Arts? The Festival International office and Basin Arts is downstairs. But uh, yeah, this is the official unveiling of the name, the Halo Building, and I got to do it. Wow. <laughs> That's so, real businessman talk, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gina gave me license to do that. Anyway, she, she let me know that there was a room available, and uh, I went to look at it as maybe a rehearsal space for a band, and I got talked into well maybe you could teach lessons out of here and that's kind of where the whole thing because I was already teaching lessons I've been teaching lessons so I'm guessing that the the bulk of your lessons are after school in that few hours in that after school time frame they are as, but I do have some during the day yeah see as a businessman how do you get people in on those other times well I try to make sweet deals for adults you know most people that that um, can take lessons in the daytime are adults with uh, flexible schedules College students, um, most of the kids, these high school and younger, they all have to take it at the same time. So I do try to uh, offer deals. In an ideal world, and I know Wilson, you've already touched on this. Would you both do music full time? I wouldn't. No, I don't think. I don't think anyone should do anything full time. I think balance is always important. So if you do a lot of one thing, eventually you'll get bored of it, right? That's just normal. And you see some musicians; they've done it for so long. And if they don't change or let it grow or evolve to some extent, they're going to get bored with it. And so it's you gonna, wouldn't like to be like the Rolling Stones and just keep touring with the same that stuff? That sounds not like a nightmare to me. That would be my hell. You know. Danny. Uh, I would. <laughs> I would definitely do it full time, but I wouldn't do, I would try not to do the same thing. I've, I've always enjoyed a balance of uh, playing in bands, different bands. So that alone right there, if I played in the same band all the time, it would drive me crazy. It right. does drive me crazy. Um, so times in my life when I've played in three or four different bands has been that balance that 
I was, you know, So, creating. Wilson, if you could give Beyonce advice, what second job would you recommend for her? I would say be a carpenter. She'd probably be a pretty good carpenter, you know? <laughs> if she gets covered in bees, she can just shake them all off. She, she can shake well, so, you know? Yeah, be, Beyonce built my bathroom. <laughs> be, yeah, you could have those little plugs, Beyonce built my bathroom. That would be fantastic. Yeah, I mean... She probably wouldn't get paid very well. I've got a feeling she wouldn't be very good at it, but, uh, you know. Um, she could charge an astronomical amount. She probably could. But, you know, I guess people would want to meet Beyonce. Um, yeah. But I think it is like Danny. Danny's very adaptable because he plays, of course, drums is his main thing. So he he's play, very good, too. Yeah, he plays any genre of music. But it's that. kind of the nature of the beast. You kind of have to play. I, I can't go do a solo gig. No one's going to show up and like, Danny's playing uh, solo drums. Solo drums. Didn't time. you do that one time, actually? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I was actually part of his uh, project many years ago where he and Dallas. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what was it called? D&D and the Mystery 3, I think, yes. or something? Yeah. yeah. And I was one of the Mystery 3 guests. And they, the whole idea was to take other musicians from Lafayette and take them out of their comfort zone and make them perform music that they're not accustomed to playing. I had to do like, and they both wrote songs. That would also be interesting to do in carpentry, where you could get people. <laughs> I think I'm doing that right now, actually. I'm building, a, I'm building a very modern house, and I'm not used to building. So, yeah. so I know music gets you both to travel. I know, Wilson, you went to um, the Middle East mm -hmm. this year. But would you like to travel with carpentry as well? Would you like to go and build traditional houses here in other places? Well, i got a rule. I don't travel more than 20 minutes from where I live. I like to be home every night if I can and help it. How did you get to the Middle East then? Well, that's for carpentry. Now, for music, if you don't travel more than 20 minutes from where you live, you're not going to make any money at all. So the farther you travel, the more money you can make in music. So the Middle East was a U.S. State Department tour. So when Obama, during his presidency, we did five U.S. State Department tours, um, which is great because they send over bands to all over the, mainly the Middle East and Europe. And just our job is just to play music and teach people what Cajun music is all about. It's a really great experience. So if someone offered you a 20-year contract doing that, would you still say, no, I have to build houses? No, I, I don't ever want to be committed to anything for that long, you know. Um, that, I think what makes my music fun and my whole, all my jobs fun is at any point I can stop doing them and do something else. You know, I would never want to be committed to anything for so long that I can't have the flexibility to change because everything suffers then. Your music will suffer, your art will suffer, you know. That, that would be horrible. You hear that, ladies? Yeah. <laughs> Danny, looking into the future for you, do you see the music room one day being a, the music rooms where there's a whole school and a whole building just for you? Um, I don't know. I, I've, I've thought about maybe having a, a, a person who does what I do, just another teacher, you know, um, kind of teaching under the umbrella. I, I've thought about that, but not anytime soon, you know. I wouldn't know where to go. I, it, it's working for me right now the way it is, and I, I kind of like that. And, and the reason it has a name is just because I, I just didn't want to call it Danny DeVillier Lessons. I think that that didn't really have a ring to it. So. so both of you grew up obviously playing music. Was it always going to be something you did for a career, or did it, you know, did it shock you at some point in your life? For me, it, definitely, yes. When, at what age did you know that that's what you wanted to do? Um, probably... Well, I would, I would imagine probably around high school, you know. I didn't really, I wasn't good at anything else. I didn't really think about anything else. And certainly when I got to college, actually I was enrolled as an architect major for my first day of college. And my mom and was all about it because, uh, you know, 
I was going to have a, a good job. An architect in the family, yes. Um, I did like to draw, so I was kind of going, going down that path. But then the second day, I changed all of my classes to music classes wow. and uh, came home. How did that conversation go? Well, not well, not well. But, but then shortly after that, you know, I like started doing these recitals and performances, and, and, and Mom and Dad would come out and be like, wow, it's kind of good. So You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with owner of the music room, Lafayette, Danny de Villiers, and musician, Wilson Savoir. And Wilson, your family obviously couldn't tell you not to be a musician. Well, for me, you know, when I was, until I was about 18, I went to college at LSU. I don't know why, because I knew I didn't want to ever have a normal job. I knew I never, never wanted to do that. And I became completely addicted to accordion. I mean, I'm talking like sickeningly addicted. That's all I wanted to do was play accordion. So I stopped going to class, and I would just go and play accordion, which is not something fun if you live below, below me. And I'm like stomping my foot all night long. And I had some neighbors who just absolutely despised me. They moved out uh, because I would play accordion all night long. So I moved to Lafayette. I'm from Baton Rouge. I'm from Eunice originally, but I went to school in Baton Rouge. Moved to Lafayette. Then I became addicted to fiddle. And I just only fiddle. It's all, when I go to bed at night, I'd think about the fiddle strings and how they work with each other. And then carpentry was the same way. I just became absolutely addicted to the idea of building. And that's all I could think about. I bought every book and every tool and everything I could buy, you know. That's just a personality. So I think it's very important. And me, for me, at least, I never planned on it. Just for some reason, something clicked inside me that said, this is what I want to do. And I, I can't, you know, I don't know why. All of a sudden, I just loved accordion or fiddle. It just like, all of a sudden, it's like it just clicked into place, you know. So what would you both say to a kid who loves music and their parents are saying, that's not a real career, you can't do that? Would you tell them to get a proper job or would you tell them just to follow their heart? That's a hard one because, I mean, neither of us, this is, it's not quite normal for, you know, um, to be able to really sustain yourself very easily with music. It's hard. We're lucky because, especially I guess I am, because you know, I play folk music, which around Lafayette, you can make money actually playing Cajun music. And I know it's very hard uh, other genres of music in Lafayette to make actual money with because you might play with five other bands in one night. You know, I got friends who play other music than Cajun, but um, it's it's a hard decision. I'd say hopefully the kid would, if I had a kid who wanted to do that, I'd be like, well, you can try it, but you should have other ways to sustain yourself. Don't only rely on music. What if you fall and break your hand? You should have something else out there so that in case music doesn't work, you have a backup plan. What would you say, Danny? The opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I, I think that if they really want to do it, and you can tell right away if they really want to be there or if their parents it's want to be It's if they're dreaming about the fiddle. Yeah. Right. Um, I've had students come to me with just kind of fire in their eyes. You know, they, I didn't know them from Adam. I didn't really know anything. They've never played before. I could just see it. And, and those, are the ones, well, those are the ones that are really easy to teach and fun to teach because they are self-generating. When they go home, they actually work on the stuff you tell them to work on. And that's what I, you know, I give people, when I give students work to do. Um, it's like, what do you really want to get out of this? So you want to be a good musician? You want to be a great musician? Do you want to be a mediocre musician? You know, it's all about the work that you're going to put into it. But if you're really into it, then do it do it the best that you can and get as good as you can at it because there's a lot of great people out there that's, and what, what's uh, going to separate you from I agree I mean I agree with some of that but unfortunately you have to make money and sometimes the greatest musicians of all make hardly any money and the ones who aren't very good make a ton of money you know it's it's a tricky business the music business it's not necessarily how good you are you can be the greatest violinist of all time you know so it's it's tricky I think 
in my opinion, you should always have something else to complement whatever you do. And I think that's always important because the, in, in, the, in the end, you want to have, make money and support a family, right? So you can't only rely on one thing. That's, that's the way I've always been. And my dad's been the same way. He builds accordions and plays music, you know. I learned that from him, but I don't know. Who knows what the right answer is? Do you, what would have to happen to make Zydeco or Cajun music cross over to a mass market? Is there a route to that? Well, I think one of the big issues that makes it hard to cross into mass market would be the fact that we sing in French. If you don't sing in French, then it's no longer even sounding like Cajun music, you know. The closest has ever come, uh, Zachary Richard and Mike Doucet did great work in um, kind of bringing the music to this other level of, like, mass appeal with Beausoleil. I always looked up to Beausoleil because they were doing the same thing that we're doing now. They were traveling to the Middle East and bringing their music all over the world, but they weren't just playing traditional Cajun music. So I learned very early on that if you're only going to play traditional Cajun music and that's it, have fun staying in Lafayette, and that's all you're going to do. But if you allow to kind of grow and be interesting and bring other influences in that you like and not feel constrained that you have to only do this one thing, uh, I think it's going to have more potential to travel around the world. And once again, it's all being related to not just doing one single thing, allowing other influences in there too. Wilson and Danny, this is the part of the show that we call your brother-in-law. You're enjoying a bit of downtime watching Netflix when your phone rings. It's your brother-in-law. He normally only calls if he thinks you might be able to get him into a gig for free, but this time it's different. This time your brother-in-law has a business proposition for you. Wilson, your brother-in-law says, imagine if Disney World was only open one week a year. That's what it's like in Lafayette with Festival International. It's only one week a year, and look how many people come here from all over the country. If we had a festival all year round, we'd have more tourists than New Orleans. Your brother-in-law's starting a business to try and stage year-round festival. He wants you on the board, and maybe kick in $500 for seed money just this one time. What do you tell him? Wow. Well, I tell him that every single weekend in the Lafayette area, and I consider, like, for example, Acadiana, Almost every single weekend, there's some festival in every little town. The Frog Festival, you know, uh, the Shrimp Festival, the, the Pig Festival, the Pancake Festival, that it's already there. I mean, we have more festivals, I think, in the state than any other place in the entire world within a 30-mile radius of Lafayette. So I think it's already happening. So what if you could join them all together under one name and market it for a... <laughs> I think people would get burnt out. I think what makes festivals special and what makes all these things special for example, even when I play a gig, what makes it special is that you don't do it all the time. If I played a gig every night of the week, then nobody would ever come ever because it's just that they know they can see me whenever. But if I only play once a month, then it's a special thing. I think the whole idea of making money with anything or even keeping some form of popularity is don't, don't wear out the public. Keep it special. Black Pot Festival is a great example or Festival Acadia or Festival International. The reason they're so popular and successful is because they only happen once a year. It's like, you know, same thing with Thanksgiving and Christmas. If you had it every single day, it wouldn't be special anymore, you know? Danny, your brother-in-law has a great idea for you. He says that kids primarily have music lessons after school, so most of the day the music room's empty. What if in those hours that you're not teaching music, you open up the school to the community and make it a community arts college? Someone can teach cooking, someone can teach drawing, somebody can teach writing. At 3pm it turns back into the music school. Your brother-in-law is prepared to be principal of the community college and he'll only take 48% of whatever you make. What do you tell him? Hmm. Well, we first have to run that by my landlord <laughs> and make sure that she was okay. Um, I would tell him no. Because <laughs> um, actually, that music room, I mean, I would tell him in a nice way, no. 
I'm not really, uh, I, I am interested in opening the place up to some public things, like a, a general music class or a, 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 a drumming class at night. I'm, I'm tinkering with these ideas. But I also use the, the, own, the room for my own personal uh, musical endeavors, like practicing and writing music. I mean, I spend a lot of time during the day uh, using the, that room for uh, Because you um, also write and arrange things. and mm-hmm. do music for yes. orchestras and movies. And, and so those daytime hours, I have you know, chunks of time that are set aside to sit there and stare at the screen, hoping that something comes to me. But it's, those are important hours, and I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to give those up, even if it were for like a monetary. You know, it's just that's that balance. That's part of the balance that I need is to be able to write music, create. Right. So it's just not all the same thing all the time. And not not only making decisions based on money only. You know. Yeah. Yeah, because then everything suffers. You know, you have to kind of understand like money's important, but there are other things important too. Getting back to this kid who wants to be a musician for a living, I'm like, well, if you're happy doing it, right. And you know you can encourage them to to do it in a way that might make them money one day. You, yeah. you you can be a great musician but not understand the business of music. You know what I mean? So I think when you can get a kid and kind of show them how I was lucky because I got to travel with my parents. I got to see how the business of music worked. So it's not just being a great musician. It's also understanding how the whole system works. How to you have to understand how to do anything from booking tickets and cars right. and travel. You have to have an agent. You have to do all this. So, And I would put that in the category of being the best musician that you can, which means l- understanding all aspects of it. Or just right. getting people who are really good at what they do and getting them on your team. For oh, example, yeah. most of the greatest musicians are horrible at business. Mm-hmm. But if they get a good team, a good agent, and a good travel agent and so on, then they can be so successful. So how do you do that? So this kid comes to you and he wants music. How, do you, how does he learn that bit? Where does he get an agent? What are the other things he has to know to make music a business? Oh, nowadays it's so much easier than it used to be. You have the internet, so so much, so many resources on there. Uh, of course, you got to be a pretty good musician first, and you have to offer something that's different than anyone else is offering right now. If you're just another carbon copy of someone else, then the other person's going to win because they've been doing it a lot longer than you have a better name. You know, the main thing is you got to be somewhat different, and you got to go out there and show the people that you have a great thing that you're doing, right? And then you got to get important people involved and let them know how great you are too. You know, try to play for Festival International, play for gigs, and you might play for free. You might play benefits at first. When you think about music, when you think about writing a new song or a piece for a movie or appearing in something, do you think of it as a business decision or just doing something you love? Just something I love, yeah. It was never, I never ever intended music to make money. It just so happens. The only reason I'm a musician is because we used to play on campus, just me and some of my friends, and a policeman made a stop. He said, y'all get out of here, y'all are disturbing the peace. We weren't, playing, we weren't trying to make money except for a few dollars on tips to buy a pizza, you know. If that hadn't ha- happened, then I wouldn't be a musician today. It just so happens that that happened. None of us in our mind ever thought we'd be a quote-unquote professional musician making a full-time living. With and you're allowed back at the campus now? Well, yeah. In fact, not many years later, I was, a guy came to me and said, well, you teach a class in Cajun... It's basically a Cajun jam session class, and we'll give you... And we'll give them credit, and now you can get a degree in Cajun accordion. How can you believe that? Wait, you can get a degree in Cajun accordion. You can accordion. get a degree in all these forms of Cajun music. So it went from me playing music on the University of Lafayette, University of Louisiana's campus, and being asked to leave, getting kicked off, almost arrested, and only a couple years go by, and now they're inviting us back to teach a class on the exact same thing we were trying to do before that. And is that a reflection of the whole society at the moment and how Cajun music is embraced again, or is it just a one-off? 
it seems a bit late for me to be doing that. They should have been doing that a long time ago, embracing the one thing, the, the biggest asset we have here in Lafayette, right? I mean, not kicking us off campus. When we were playing on campus, we thought we were doing a favor, a service to the university, you know? And I think later on, they kind of figured out that maybe we were too. Because um, it's such a unique thing, you know, these wild Cajun guys playing accordion on the side of the street. Like, if I was a student, I'd be like, wow. I think if you've grown up here and stayed here, you don't realize how right. unique you it is. you never do. If you grow up with something, you never realize how important it is until you no longer have it. Yeah. A large part of the reason for the vitality of our culture here in Acadiana is the willingness of people who embody it to hand it on to the next generation. Sometimes that's done casually in families. Other times you need to go outside your family. And when that, that's where the music room comes in, Danny. Wilson, we wouldn't have any culture at all if it weren't for people like you who continue to play music and build on the tradition by writing new music. Wilson and Danny, thank you both for everything you're doing to grow and sustain our unique Acadiana culture. And thank you for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Oh, thanks for having us. Our pleasure, thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been musician and woodworker Wilson Savoir and musician and owner of the music room in Lafayette, Danny de Villiers. You can find out more about Wilson and Danny's music and businesses by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Morell. Our researchers are Anne Christian and Ali Coates. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website, itsacadiana.com and on our It's Acadiana Facebook page. These photos were taken by Lucius A. Fontenot. You can find out more about Lucius at lafphoto.com. You can get this show and past shows as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify. And you can find all of our podcasts at itsacadiana.com. You can also keep up with us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all those links on our website, itsacadiana.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. I'm Aileen Bennett. Thanks for joining me today. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette. Cafe Vermilionville is open Monday to Friday for lunch and six nights a week for dinner with a courtyard that sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine. The Out to Lunch Acadiana theme music, Encore Monsieur, Nice Guy, is written by Mitchell Foreman and performed by Mitchell Foreman and Andre Michaud. Out to Lunch Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana and Dustin Ortego from The Opportunity Machine. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from the Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Calais Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family-friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking, free Wi-Fi, and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants.